covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. We do welcome you in to another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. We are powered by WTMJ Mobile. I'm your host, Matt Pauley. Thank you so much for uh, being tuned in uh, to this episode and all the episodes. We continue to see more and more folks are uh, listening to the podcast, and uh, that means a lot. We have a big program coming up today as the Brewers are in contention, and we're going to really run down all aspects of this playoff race that the Brewers are currently in. A couple formalities to uh, get out of the way before we uh, really get things going. A reminder, we record this program on Sunday evenings, and uh, we're actually recording it a little bit earlier on uh, Sunday uh, than we normally do. So uh, we will try to keep the information as time uh, generic as possible, where you can listen to it throughout the course of the week and it still be okay. But when we're in the middle of a pennant race and every win and every loss has has huge ramifications, all we can do is talk about things uh, the way they sit on Sunday. Second off, if you do uh, listen to the podcast, maybe on iTunes, any uh, recommendation or uh, review and, and everything would be very much appreciated. If you subscribe to the podcast, that's great. Uh, and then if you can leave a review, that helps out as well as we try to get as many people listening to this as possible. If you just listen to it at WTMJ.com, you don't subscribe to it. Don't worry about the Apple iTunes stuff. That's awesome as well. We appreciate you being tuned in. Here's what we have coming up on the program today in our social media conversation brew crew balls tim muma will rejoin the program and then when we go down on the farm we're going to do a recap of the colorado springs sky sock season with their broadcaster dan karcher so that's all coming up i want to make note of something that happened over the course of the weekend because the brewers found out that they would be hosting over the weekend against the marlins with just a couple days notice and they pulled off a fantastic weekend at the ballpark. You never want to see a natural disaster like Hurricane Irma come through. But when Major League Baseball asked the Brewers to host over the weekend, not only did they do it, you would have never known that these were not previously scheduled games. They were able to get more people in than than anybody would have ever thought could have gotten in with such short notice. And when you think about the infrastructure that is needed to pull off a Major League Baseball game, you need concessions workers, you need ushers, you need security and police and EMTs and parking folks. I mean, you just you need hundreds of people for every single game. And just being able to mobilize all those people at the snap of a finger, that's not easy. In fact, uh, the the third party group that runs all the concessions at Miller Park, a group by known uh, a company known as Delaware North, they actually bust people in from their properties in Buffalo and I think Minneapolis to be able to get enough people in to work. This was an absolute group effort to get everything in, and then the Brewers were able to you know the, the small touches they had by plant not planting but uh, having some palm trees and things like that, uh, being able to. Uh, run the the Marlins pump-up video before the game. It was just a great job. It was just a great job by everybody connected to the Brewers. And, you know, when when the announcement was first made, they said that the Friday night game was only going to be able to hold 10,000 people. And I got a lot of people asking me, why are they doing that? Well, don't they want as many people in there as possible? Well, at that point, they just found out really, you know, the 36 hours earlier that they would be hosting, and they were trying to make sure that they would have enough people to be able to work. And not only did they get enough people, the ticket demand was crazy. They sold 30,000 tickets in the first 45 minutes that tickets were available. And uh, that that happened on, on Thursday before the game on Friday. They they opened up more seating in the loge level for Friday and ended up having almost 20,000 people on Friday night. So I just want to start off the podcast this week by really congratulating everybody connected with the Milwaukee Brewers for taking a bad situation where the Marlins had to come to Milwaukee because of Hurricane Irma and turning it into 
truly a, a special weekend where folks were able to come to the ballpark where there was huge crowds considering uh, how little time there was to sell tickets, and it was pretty darn cool. All right, coming up this week on the podcast, we are going to be joined in our social media conversation in just a few minutes by uh, Tim Muma from Brew Crew Ball, and then later on we'll be joined by the voice of the Sky Sox, Dan Karcher, talking uh, all things Colorado Springs Sky Sox after they had a great season this past year. But before we get to any of that, Let's look back at the week with this week's Headlines of the Week. It doesn't matter if it's right in the middle of the summer or winter. There's always news about the Brewers. Let's look back at the week there was with Matt's Headlines of the Week. All right, so we will start with what we just talked about, the fact that the series was uh, moved to Milwaukee against the Marlins over the weekend. And I want to go through some of the numbers because the, the numbers are just astounding. The series gets shifted to Miller Park. They draw 19,369 on Friday, 25,079 on Saturday, and then 24,535 on Sunday. So that takes a grand total of 68,983 folks over the three days, an average of 22,994. Now, I know this is not a complete apples-to-apples comparison, but it's the closest thing we have for this year. Major League Baseball moved a Yankees-Rays series out of Tampa Bay to New York. Now, the two major differences, they played it at City Field, not Yankee Stadium, so it was not the Yankees' home stadium, but it's still the city of New York, and it also wasn't a weekend series. So I don't want to spin the numbers too much, but I think it is notable when you compare you know, New York, the number one largest city, largest media market in the country, to Milwaukee, who comes in at number 35, and then look at the numbers. So the the Yankees-Rays series, the largest crowd they had in that series was 21,024. The largest crowd the Brewers had, 25,079. Average attendance over the course of the three games. The Brewers, 22,994. The Yankees, 16,503. So they're getting six, 7,000 more people in per night. And the total number... The total number for the Brewers again twenty two thousand nine excuse me uh, sixty eight thousand nine hundred eighty three. The total number for the three game series with the Yankees and Rays in New York forty nine thousand five hundred and ten. It just shows how good this Brewers fan base is and how great of a a uh, baseball city Milwaukee is. Milwaukee is uh, the uh, baseball how good of a baseball state Wisconsin is really was a special uh, few games that the Brewers were able to take two out of three. From a movement standpoint, Aaron Wilkerson was called up this week. He put together a really solid season at Double A and then got some time at Triple A at the end of the year. Had a fantastic playoff start for the Colorado Springs Sky Sox and he earned a promotion to the Brewers, and I think rightfully so. This is a guy who was part of that Aaron Hill trade last year with Boston, and he hadn't really... I think he probably had to know what you had in him before you go to the offseason, because he's somebody that if is not on the 40-man roster is going to be made available to other teams. He sits on the 40-man roster right now. There's going to be a lot of tough 40-man decisions to be made in the offseason, so there's certainly no guarantee that he's going to remain on the 40-man roster. But he had a good first appearance, and I think he's somebody who's going to uh, pitch for the Brewers. Who knows? There's still a, an open spot in the rotation. It's considered a bullpen game, but maybe he's somebody that is given the opportunity to be that first guy in a bullpen game uh, moving forward. Travis Shaw hit his 30th home run this past week, and with that, the Brewers have two 30 home run hitters in Eric Thames and Travis Shaw. Only the third time that that has happened in franchise history, which is pretty incredible. In 2000, Jeff Jenkins and Jeremy Burnitz hit uh, 30 each. And then in 1982, Cecil Cooper and Ben Ogilvie hit, uh, hit 30 each as well. So just three times in Brewers history that that has happened. And uh, finally, from an injury standpoint... Jimmy Nelson went to a doctor who's known for being one of the best shoulder doctors in the country. He went to a doctor over the weekend, uh, or late last week, actually, uh, in L.A., and he is going to have to have shoulder surgery. Now, we, as we record on Sunday night, we still don't know 
how long the rehab's going to take and how much potentially of next season he might end up missing. Uh, they don't really know the extent of the damage until they get in. So they'll do the surgery on Tuesday, and uh, once they do that surgery, they'll be able to see how much work they have to do inside of that shoulder, and they will go forward with that. So those are uh, this week's headlines of the week. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast, is powered by WTMJ Mobile. It is time for a social media conversation as we welcome on to the program one of the writers over at Brew Crew Ball. His name is uh, Tim Muma. You can follow him on Twitter at Tim underscore Muma. That's T-I-M underscore M-U-M-A. Always great to get uh, Tim onto the program. Tim, appreciate your time. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well, and I uh, appreciate you having me on, man. Always always a pleasure. We're talking on uh, Sunday night, so the Brewers just got done taking two out of three from the Marlins in the series that was relocated to Miller Park. Let's start with the, the relocation and everything. I was really impressed with the number of tickets sold and the number of fans were there and the fan response. What's your takeaway from what Milwaukee and what the Brewers fan base did over the course of the last three days? Yeah, I mean, first of all, kudos to the Brewers organization and, uh, and all those staff and workers that they brought in and people that, you know, didn't have plans this weekend to, to work at Miller Park and, and be able to pull that off. And not only the whole weekend, but, um, you know, Friday having to actually open it up to, to the 20, 23, 25,000 uh, available seats because of such high demand. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's a surprise that fans came out and they wanted to support the team um, in part because for one, it's a weekend series with great weather. Uh, the team's obviously in a playoff push. And then to be fair, uh, you know, the cheaper prices to sit close. I mean, um, me and my family went on Friday night and it's, you know, it's just a great experience to be able to sit close and, and not have to worry about much of anything, but just enjoying the game. And uh, I think the, the response by, like I said, everyone involved, I think was tremendous. It's a, a weird situation. I think it was a little awkward at first on Friday night trying to figure out, okay, wait, the Brewers are batting first. Do we cheer for the Marlins a little bit? You know, what's kind of the setup there? But overall, I don't think Major League Baseball or the Marlins or the Brewers as a whole, I don't think they could have asked for anything better uh, when you consider the crowd sizes, the, the energy that was involved, and just being able to get those three games in. Um, you know, of course, Cubs and Cardinals and Rockies and all that might have been a little perturbed that it happened, but uh, as has been talked about, Major League Baseball came to the Brewers. Brewers had nothing to do with it other than, hey, we'll, we'll take care of it if that's what you want us to do. And I think uh, kudos to everybody. I think a fantastic job by fans, organization, everyone involved. I think it's kind of cool that you know we've seen Milwaukee host some neutral site games in the past, and mm-hmm. now they get this together. It's obvious, and I don't know if this you know is the Bud Selig connection at all, but it's obvious that Major League Baseball thinks very highly of the Brewers organization's ability to pull these kind of things off. Yeah, to your point, they've proven it in the past and just these kind of strange circumstances, and especially this time around, too, being, I mean, 40 hours notice basically to get everyone involved, uh, ready to go, get the stadium prepped once again, uh, getting the word out, getting fans into the seats, to your point, it may have started a while back with, with Commissioner Selig having that connection and, and knowing he had all those people that he could contact and, and trust here in Milwaukee. But uh, like you said, when you had the Indians and Angels playing here, you had the Cubs and Astros uh, playing in Milwaukee, if you can prove yourself that you can handle it, you can handle the infrastructure side of it, you can handle all the logistics and get people there for the game, that's really as much as you can ask for. And um you know, I think in the future it's going to continue to be a place, Miller Park, that is where they look to fill that void. If uh, you know there's some weather concerns, if there's other things going on, uh, and and as as I've said too, I mean the Brewers organization do a, they do a great job anyway with all of the promotions and all of the the setup that they have on a daily basis throughout the course of the season, and they just seem to really step up and step in when when it's needed. 
Uh, and this is another great example of it this weekend. It's a good weekend on the field in the sense that they took two out of three. You would have liked to see them sweep, but a, a series win is a series win. That being said, the Cardinals don't help out the Brewers at all because uh, the Cubs are able to take care of business there. Uh, though, as we are talking on Sunday night, the Rockies game is still going on, but uh, at least as it is right now, uh, the Rockies are leading that game uh, in the eighth inning. So it doesn't look like the Padres are going to help out the Rockies very much. Tim, this is getting to a point where it's starting to look more and more like it's going to take just something incredible for the Brewers to make it into the postseason. Yeah, it's really unfortunate. I thought for sure, at least, I think everyone did, the Cardinals would take one this weekend. So if the Brewers won the series like they did, they'd at least hold serve and and be at that three-game mark. uh, You know, four games back, it definitely hurt. The the positive, of course, is that they have four games with the Cubs yet. So in theory, if you stay within striking distance, you at least give yourself a a puncher's chance. Um, Not that anyone would expect a four-game sweep at Miller Park, but who knows? Did anyone really expect the Brewers to go into Wrigley and sweep that series when it, it seemed like they needed to get that done? Probably not. We all probably hoped it could happen, but, uh, you know, they were able to pull that off. Uh, but, yeah, you know, that's the great thing about being independent race and September baseball. You know, this was supposed to be, in theory, a month where it didn't really matter for the Brewers. Maybe we were watching some of the young guys come up and get some playing time, and, uh, you know, they're just kind of playing out the string, but... Hey, why not hold out? Hold out for some hope here. I mean, believe that something could happen. Believe they still have a shot because the Cubs are going on a ten-game road trip, and four of those are in Milwaukee. And the Brewers have proven they can handle the Cubs. It seems like they play them almost better at Wrigley than they do at Miller Park. But uh, I just want to enjoy the ride, and I hope fans can. Uh, part of being in that pennant race is being frustrated that you almost have to win every game to play catch-up, and that's the way it's been in chasing the Cubs because they've kind of found their mojo with the exception of that three-game series against the Brewers. And um, you know, who knows what can happen. Uh, who would have expected the Dodgers to lose 11 in a row and, you know, 15 out of 16, and and then the other side of it for Cleveland to win 22 games in a row. Crazy things happen in baseball. That's the beauty of the sport. Um, so I just want to keep holding out hope, keep seeing the Brewers win games, win series. They're probably going to have to sweep a couple series if they're going to have a legitimate chance here. But, uh yeah, I really think the Cardinals could actually do no favors at all for the Brewers this weekend. I think something that's worth mentioning, and I'm not trying to put in a built-in excuse if the Brewers don't make it in the postseason, but I just know from taking phone calls on, on the stuff I do on WTMJ, I hear it all the time from Brewers fans that, oh, it's, an, it's just another second-half collapse. And when you, uh. look at the, when you look at the post-All-Star break numbers, 15 and 12 in August, 9 and 6 in September. This is not mm-hmm. a collapse for the Brewers. This is simply the Cubs turning it on in the second half. You're exactly right. Uh, people are just going to look at the five and a half game lead, if I recall correctly, uh, you know, at the break. And, and yeah, I mean, it stinks that that got taken away really quickly. But to your point, I mean, the Cubs kind of became the Cubs again, at least closer to what we thought they were going to be for the whole season. And, um, to call it any sort of collapse or second half soon or whatever, it really is borderline ridiculous. Sure, their offense was in the tank for a while there, and, and they've shown plenty of signs of life in the last couple of weeks. Uh, but the unfortunate part is they just they just fell behind, and now you have to play almost perfect down the stretch because your opponent, who we knew was a quality team, has has really found themselves and they're playing good baseball at the right time and. You know, did the Brewers waste some opportunities against some poor opponents? Yeah, I mean, that three-game sweep in Cincinnati, obviously, a lot of people thought the season was done at that point, and then, of course, they go in and sweep the Cubs. So you have those ebbs and flows throughout the season, as you know, with such a long year. Uh, but for anybody, and it's, and it's hard to, I think it's hard to break that stereotype, at least in a lot of people's minds, of, well, here we go again with the Brewers. You know, they get hot, and then they, then they collapse in the second half. And here we go again, here we go. It's really not fair. I mean, it's such a different group of players, and they weren't expected to even be in this position. And like you said, they haven't given away the division. They've played over 500 baseball and not just a game or two. And it's it's just that the Cubs have played a little bit better. And, and what you know, sometimes you can't control that. You'd love for them to uh, finish strong down the stretch, but even the position they're in, the Cubs could still hold them off just by playing 500 ball. And, and that's just sort of the way it goes. And, and I don't know what it's going to take for people to, to get over that idea of, of them collapsing. I mean, obviously 2011, which feels like forever ago, they didn't collapse that year uh, unless you count the NLCS, which I'm sure some people count that against them as well. 
Um, but it's just not the case this year. It's, it's been a, a really terrific run. They've they've righted the ship. They've bounced back ten times this year when people said they were done. And uh, you know who knows? Hopefully they can give them a show as we go down go down the last couple weeks here of the season. The pitching's been interesting because after Jimmy Nelson went down, really they they have three and a half starting pitchers right now. They've got mm-hmm. they have two veterans in uh, in Davies and Anderson, and then you've got Brandon Woodruff who's a rookie in that number three spot, and then you have Brent Suter who they're not really stretching out, who's giving you three four innings per start, and then there's a, a bullpen day in there thrown in. How impressed have you been with what the team has been able to do again with essentially three and a half starters? For sure, and I think it does start with Craig Council uh, just being willing to go this route. Um, obviously, a little easier in September when you have extra arms. They've had a few off days here and there, which help, but it's not easy to sort of buck tradition and, and go with these bullpen days, not just once. I mean, everybody does it once in a while throughout the course of a year, but essentially that's one of your rotation spots right now is Johnny Holstaff, uh, you know, that bullpen day. And, and to your point, too, with Suter only throwing a handful of innings each start, uh, so it starts there, just being willing to do that, having a game plan. Um, I could see that I said being there Friday night, it was it was evident that they had a game plan. They probably had sort of a plan A and plan B as far as when they made a move, who came in, you know, do we need a couple innings, do we need just one inning? Um, so it's it's been impressive to see from that point of view, from the managerial side, because um, I'm just as critical as anybody uh, when it comes to the managers, but I think Council's done a, a fantastic job with that. And then giving credit to the relievers, because so many times we hear that, Relievers need to have structure. They need to know when they're coming in. They need to know, uh, you know, exactly the point that they should start getting ready. And for all these guys, they've had to really adjust that. And with the exception of Swarzak and Knable, and really even Swarzak, he's come in in the seventh inning a couple times, um, they've had to be ready. They've had to have uh, that mindset of, I need to come in and get three outs, six outs, you know, one out uh, at any point to help the team. And, uh, and of course, Jeffress starting a game. You got guys like Wong coming in for a batter, Hader coming in in the middle of a game for two innings. Uh, all those guys really have done a terrific job, and, and you got to tip your cap to them for for contributing in any way they can. And I'm, I'm sure they appreciate it too. Just council and the staff having faith in them to get these big outs uh, against guys, you know, in the middle of the order with men on base, um, and just taking control of that day. Uh, and then to your point, however, on the flip side, getting quality starts from a Woodruff and an Anderson, uh, you know, that that's necessary too because they need to save the bullpen for those one-and-a-half bullpen days they're going to have each time out. So it's it's been fascinating to watch. I've seen people talk about could this be the future of, of baseball because we've already seen that transition to, you know, starters only going through the order two or three times and then giving it up to the bullpen, especially when you get toward the postseason. So, Maybe you see people doing this a little bit more often if they have more trust in their bullpen arms and and obviously again in September being a little bit easier with the extra arms in the pen. Yeah, I think that's uh, I understand the kind of the concept of is this something we're going to see in the future? But mm-hmm. when you really put it into play, when you go back to that game uh, the other night, the pitchers that the Brewers used, they went Jeffress Barnes, Juan Guerra, Hader Hughes, Swarzak, Wilkerson. If this wasn't <laughs> September, uh, right. Wong wouldn't be on the roster, Guerra wouldn't be on the roster, Wilkerson wouldn't be on the roster. So three of the nine guys you used would not be available. So I, I don't, I don't think I, I get why. With the numbers and everything, there's been so much discussion about is this the future of baseball. I still think it'd be hard to pull off during the course of a full season. Yeah, I agree. I think over the course of 162 games, there's just no way you could effectively manage all those guys. Uh, To your point, you're not going to have the same numbers. And there are stretches, as you know, where they're playing 18, 19 days in a row. Uh, that would make it really challenging. Uh, the only way I could see it is if you had your legitimate three starters, or maybe four, and but then you're piggybacking two two guys that could pitch two or three innings at a time. But then you're still sort of forcing your staff into making sure they eat up those innings. So what if they come out and get blown up in the first inning and a half? Now you're going to be in big trouble, and that's going to affect you in the rest of the week and the rest of the month. So I agree. I think it would be really challenging to do over the course of an entire season, but Given the rules, given the parameters, given the, the opportunity here in September and, and the situation the Brewers have been put in, I mean, they've, they've done 
a tremendous job with it. So um, will we see it on a consistent basis? No, I don't think so. But I think at least it's an option for maybe some teams when, when the fit is right. It's kind of funny because while the pitching has so many moving parts, it seems like the position player group, the the rotation, at least in terms of who is starting, it's come down to there, there's almost a set right-handed lineup and almost a set left-handed lineup. There's guys who mm-hmm. you're not seeing as much uh, in games, you know, Jonathan VR notably, but uh, they're, they're, the, guy, the roles of the position players are much more defined now than they were during the regular season where the pitching is just the opposite. That's kind of funny how it's worked out that way. Yeah, and part of it's necessity, part of it's production. Um, part of it, again, is still the expanded rosters, even with the position players allowing, as you said, to have essentially two almost completely different lineups with, 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 you know, with the exception of a couple of guys in Braun and Shaw. Um, I, think, I don't think there's anything wrong with that necessarily. The only part I ever have an issue with is, and I know stack guys will tell you, Hot streaks aren't predictive, so you can't go off of that, and you got to look over the course of a season, career, and, and I, for the most part, agree with that. But it is a little hard sometimes to see a guy like Thames have three straight games with a home run and then have to sit back-to-back games. And obviously, Aguilar had a good game today, but yesterday he he struggled. Um, you have a guy like Neil Walker, who, uh, you know, of course, he's a much better hitter from the left side. So when they're facing a lefty, they go with Perez. Well, I still feel like if Walker's hitting the ball well, seeing the ball well, I'd rather have him hitting from the right side. And, um, you know, nothing against Perez, but he's just, he's not an on base guy, so I don't like him leading off. I'd rather have a guy like Walker there. So it kind of goes both ways. Uh, you know, managers will get criticized sometimes for using their gut or going with the hot hand, and other times they'll get criticized for sticking strictly with the numbers, which I think that's what council is, is focusing on is, you know, over the course of a season, these guys are our best guys versus righties. These are our best versus lefties, and we're going to kind of leave the chips, you know, fall where they may. Um, so there's nothing wrong with that necessarily. It's just a little frustrating to see it sometimes. And uh, you know, in one game they could come out ripping the ball like they did in that blowout against the Cubs, and then a game yesterday where they were hitting the ball hard just at people. It feels like, oh, why did we change everything from the night before where we had a, you know, that big eighth inning? So. Um, I, I like the idea of having a, a more consistent lineup, even if it is one right, one left. I just would like to see a little more flexibility with that when it comes to you know guys who seemingly are, are seeing the ball well. Uh, but I understand that that also can be a fickle thing that, that comes and goes. So, uh, again, overall, what Council has done, I think, has is, is been tremendous. And I don't think anybody can argue with that, considering where, again, the expectations were for the team. And um, to your point, they've really found sort of a groove with the uh, – the idea of a consistency with the lineup and then their game plan with the pitching, uh, I think they've done a great job. Let me finish you off with this. So as we talk on Sunday night, there are four series left. At Pittsburgh for three, a home against the Cubs for four, home against Cincinnati for three, at St. Louis for three. Let's start with the baseline that you have to win every single series to even have a chance for the postseason. So we're talking two out of three against Pittsburgh, three out of four against the Cubs, two out of three against Cincinnati, two out of three against St. Louis. It, do you think that's going to be enough to get to the postseason, or do they need to put in a, a sweep or two in there as well to get in? Well, that's a big question, right? I think what's more realistic, the Brewers running off, you know, 11 wins in these final two weeks or the Cubs, you know, winning, playing under 500 ball, essentially. What, what's more realistic? Because that's where I think you have to figure that out. The way the Cubs are playing, it doesn't seem like they're going to play that, that poorly to give you that window. So I, I think the Brewers realistically have to sweep a series. Uh, at very minimum, they have to win three out of four of Chicago, which obviously in your scenario they would do. Uh, because, as I said, the Cubs, the 10-game road trip, I mean, it's, it's not easy. I mean, and I know they got the Cubs and Brewers, familiar opponents, not far from home. Um, before that, they have the two in Tampa. But i got to believe the Cardinals are going to give the Cubs a little bit tougher run in St. Louis. Um, I, I, I guess I have nothing to base that off of uh, offhand, but you would hope they could. Uh, I think the problem there is the Cubs finished the year with three at home against Cincy, and I know Cincy's not a cakewalk. They've given the Cubs fits. They've obviously hurt the Brewers. But I think when the Cubs need those wins, they're going to get those. So if you count the Cubs having three wins kind of in the bank to finish the year, uh, I think that the Brewers have to have to do a little something special. So are they going to sweep in Pittsburgh? They haven't played well there this year, so that might be unlikely. So it's going to have to be that Cincinnati series at home. I guess, where they, they have to almost get the sweep. 
Uh, and then it, in theory, comes down to that series in St. Louis to finish the year. But I guess if I'm banking on it, the Brewers have to get hot and, and sweep a couple series, most likely, to, to sneak in. Um, like I said, strange things, strange things happen. It's been a weird year in baseball, both good and bad. So I'm not going to give up hope. I, I, I just want to see a play out, like I said, enjoy the ride. And I hope fans really do. I mean, yeah, I'll get frustrated when things don't go right and, and, and they lose a game. But uh, you know, I, I'd rather be in this position than, than being like, oh, all right, two more weeks, and then I, I have no Brewers to focus on. And, and really, what are they doing? They're just playing out the string. So if I had to give you an answer, the Brewers got to win a sweep, probably for sure one series, maybe two. And uh, three of their wins down the stretch have to be against the Cubs. And from a wild card standpoint, and this is horrible podcasting right now because I'm going to mention something <laughs> going on that that's taking place. And by the time everybody's listening, it's right. going to be long gone over. But as we're talking, San Diego has tied up the Rockies. It's a three three really? game in the eighth inning. So there's there's good news. Hopefully, something good will happen. And it's so funny because it's this isn't live radio. It's a podcast, so I shouldn't even mention well, that. But I did. Um, maybe we got to record two different. Uh, answers here then because if they if, if the Rockies lose and the Brewers have a little extra life uh, from the wild card side of things uh, I'm not I, I'm not gonna lie to the listeners that much I, I just <laughs> I just can't do that so but you look at the rest of the series uh the rest of the schedule for the Rockies we just talked about how the the Cubs schedule isn't that tough other than the fact that they're on the road from a Rockies perspective kind of the same deal they're gonna play two yep. at San Francisco and then four at San Diego before coming home for three against Miami and three against the Dodgers that that three against Miami the Marlins are going be looking for the season to end those three against the Dodgers they're going to have everything clinched you know who knows who's going to be starting those games they're going to be just trying to set themselves up for the postseason so there's nothing that says that the Rockies are going to have you know more opportunities to lose games either yeah and I think I know somebody had mentioned that uh once they swept the Dodgers it was like you know, sorry Cardinals and Brewers fans you're not getting the wild card because they have for the most part what seems like a pretty easy schedule down the stretch and and they're taking care of business, as you said, as we speak. They uh, they might give one away to the Padres, but for the most part, they've the Rockies have been playing as well as the Cubs have in this last uh, week and a half or so, and uh, that's what makes it tough. And you know, as we talked about, the Brewers have, have lost a couple of games, series they probably shouldn't have. Um, so you kind of got to hope the the Rockies do the same. Uh, again, unpredictability is there. I agree with you that the Dodgers series. It's too bad they weren't playing them right now again because the Dodgers seem to have found themselves. But by the time they play them at the end of the year, uh, who knows? They're they're probably going to have most of their backups in there and and pitching, as you said, anybody but uh, guys they're going to use in the postseason. Uh, I do recall a number of years ago, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly, the Brewers knocking out San Diego when they had nothing to play for and the Padres were pushing for a a playoff spot. So it can happen. It just it doesn't make you feel good that they're going to go in and face uh, some of these. You know, powder puff teams and then at the end of the year face a team that they're just gearing up for the postseason has nothing to to play for so again i I know i've said a couple times i just want to see the brewers keep winning keep put the pressure on because i think the worst thing could be them you know going into pittsburgh getting swept or or just laying an egg against the cubs uh give yourself a chance if i can see them at least in that final weekend if they can be two or three back even though three would be a miracle uh to try to win and get into a playoff spot just, just give me that last weekend where I, I can still care about the team's postseason prospects, and and I, I don't know how anybody can argue, even right now, that it hasn't been a successful season. But if they can do that, uh, that'd just be fantastic. All right, Tim, great stuff as always. Remind folks to uh, follow you on Twitter at tim underscore muma. Also, I'll uh, read you and read everybody over at uh, Brew Crew Ball, and you guys are doing a great job covering all aspects of the team uh, down the stretch. But appreciate your time as always, and uh, we'll get you back on the program soon. Always a pleasure, Matt. I really appreciate you having me on. The future of the Brewers organization has never been more important than it is right now. It's time to get an inside look at what's taking place throughout the Brewers minor league affiliates as we go down on the farm. Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast, is powered by WTMJ Mobile. It is time to go down on the farm. And very happy uh, once again to uh, welcome on a good friend of mine. He is the longtime voice of the Colorado Springs Sky Sox, who went to the playoffs in uh, the first time in better than 20 years this past year, the AAA affiliate of the Brewers. That is uh, Dan Karcher. Dan, it's always great to talk to you. How are you doing? Matt, doing really well. Uh, thanks for... Uh 
hooking up and um, looking forward to uh, visiting with you here. So this season, now that it is over, how special of a year was it for the Sky Sox? Well, I mean, obviously, uh, playoff uh, bound first time 20 years speaks for itself. It's been a long drought, and so it was a very special year. And they didn't they didn't sneak in through the back door. I mean, the Sky Sox really dominated the division. They won by 10 games over Oklahoma City, so so they really made a statement this year. And I give credit to uh, Sky Sox manager Rick Swede, who said at the end of last season that he felt like this would be the year where the Sky Sox took over the power uh, in the division. They took over um, um, the dominance in the division, and they did that in a big way. And, and credit goes to uh, David Stearns and the Brewers all the way for for uh, stocking a great farm system, and that uh, definitely was a huge key in the Sky Sox uh, getting back to the playoffs for the first time in 20 years. And uh, unfortunately, it didn't quite uh, go as far as the Sky Sox and, and a lot of their fans would have liked. I mean, they got bumped out in the first round on the final day of the uh, first round of the playoffs, uh, Game 5, winner take all. Um, Sky Sox were terribly lean, uh, a lot of call-ups, which is the case for every team in the minor leagues when it comes to the playoffs, and uh, just didn't quite have enough to uh, polish off uh, Memphis, and it looks like Memphis might go on to win the uh, Pacific Coast League title. We'll wait and see on that one, but um, it was a great year, and uh, all the prospects came through. The outfield was phenomenal. We talked about that throughout the course of the season with all the young prospects there, so no disappointments by any stretch, and looking forward to a strong finish to the AAA run for Colorado Springs next year. Yeah, next year will be the final year of AAA baseball in Colorado Springs, which is kind of sad, and we can get into that uh, in some other conversation today. We're really recapping the past year. and uh, We talk about him every time, so we'll talk about him again. Lewis Brinson, he was just named as the uh, the minor league uh, player of the year in the Brewers organization. And, Dan, this was a guy who I think the thing that most impressed me from the outside looking in was he was somebody who every time he got called up, up and then got sent down it seemed like he had even more success at triple a and dan that's that's rare a lot of times we see guys go up and when they come back down they're, they're not quite as focused in would you agree with that absolutely and, and especially the first time after he got called up the first time and came back down he he was a man on a mission uh he came down and took his game to another level which uh is pretty hard to do considering how how uh, high of a level he was playing at uh for the entire season, but uh, Matt, he, he is a tremendous uh, talent. Um, don't have to tell you guys that. Unfortunately, a season ended prematurely with that hamstring injury, and I uh, thought maybe he'd be able to help the Brewers down the stretch, but uh, um, I think it's uh, just uh, another indication that, that the Brewers are in, in good hands, they're in good shape when it comes to uh, the future, uh, led by a guy uh, who uh, definitely made his mark in the Pacific Coast League this year. I don't think he has too much more to prove at this level. But then again, uh, you know, the Brewers are so stacked with outfielders right now. Who knows what's going to happen uh, in the off season when it comes to uh, free agents and trades and that sort of thing. But there's a good possibility that we could see guys back like Lewis Brinson and, and uh, Brett Phillips to begin next year. So uh, it just, uh, just again, speaks to the, the great depth that this organization has, and again, credit goes to uh, David Stearns and all his staff for uh, uh, turning this thing around in in uh, in, in uh, no time whatsoever. So uh, it benefited the Sky Sox this year. Everybody was excited to see the the young guys play, and I think we can't forget about the other guys that are kind of flying beneath the radar. Guys like Nate Orff and and Kyle Wren, who also had a, a tremendous season at AAA this year. Guys that aren't necessarily considered prospects in the true sense of the word, but uh, there were a lot of uh, contributors to the uh, success the Sky Sox had this year. I don't know if you saw the other day, Brett Phillips had a throw from the outfield that that went 104 miles per hour. It was the hardest (laughs) thrown ball by an outfielder in all of Major League Baseball this year. He actually, according to the StatCast numbers, he has the top two thrown balls from a velocity standpoint from the outfield of any outfielder in Major League Baseball this year. I know that's probably not shocking to you because you saw him, but uh, can you speak to just how much of an impact player this guy can be defensively? Incredible. Um, I I was absolutely stunned uh, to watch him play the outfield this year and, and get a look at that howitzer that he has. I mean, he displayed it on, on numerous occasions and, and threw out uh, guys um, on, a, on a frequent basis on the bases. I mean, 
um, you know, the word got out eventually that this guy you can't run on, but uh, he would still get guys when it looked like it was an impossible um, um, uh, endeavor to try and nail somebody trying to advance uh, another 90 feet. But uh, just, just an incredible athlete. And what really surprised me, Matt, was his play in center field. I mean, this guy not only has a great arm, but, but he has good speed. He reads the ball off the bat well, has good reads. Uh, made some incredible plays in center field, covered a lot of ground. Um, and again, uh, the Brewers are very well uh, stocked when it comes to center fielders in this organization um, with Brett Phillips out there and, and Lewis Brinson. And, uh, you know, the list goes on and on with guys even below uh, the AAA level that we got a chance to see a little bit towards the end of the season. But, uh, um, yeah, Brett Phillips, I mean, uh, defensively, if nothing else, uh, proved that he uh, – He's a big-time player. You mentioned those guys like Kyle Wren and Nate Orphan. Maybe they don't have a big-league future in the Brewers organization, but did they do enough this year to maybe go into a different organization next year and possibly get that legit look in spring training? I think they did, and I'm not sure where they stand on their um, their free agency status, but um, I think that both guys definitely made a statement this year that they kind of took their game to the next level, and and really what what uh, showed up, especially for Nate Orff, was his OPS. I think he finished with an OPS over 900, and for a middle infield type guy, that's phenomenal. A guy who, you know, you expect to maybe spray the ball around, get on base, uh, create traffic for the guys behind him, but he turned into a quite a uh, power threat at the plate. Not not so much in in home runs. He did hit a career high nine home runs this year, but he was driving the ball. And uh, he also played uh, the outfield this year and played it ex- exceptionally well in right field. He he had a number of assists out there that uh, um, I think surprised a lot of people with his play in the outfield. So I think he kind of uh, um, gave himself uh, even more of a boost by playing another position and showed organizations that he's not just a one-dimensional type player. Um, and, and yeah, he's, he's, uh, I think he's 27 years old, so maybe a little bit older when it comes to uh, AAA guys and prospects and, and that sort of thing. But, but still, what he did uh, this year for this ball club, uh, I would be shocked if he doesn't get a chance with uh, another organization, if not the Brewers, to uh, show what he can do at the next level. The one guy, Dan, who uh, gets called up at the end of the season after the Sky Sox season is over is Aaron Wilkerson, and he's somebody that didn't spend a lot of time with the club during this year, spent more time uh, last year, and then had the playoff start with the Sky Sox uh, this year. They, if they don't, they, they could potentially lose him uh, this offseason. Is he somebody that profiles to you that could have some success at the big league level? Well, again, we only saw him once, and boy, was it! Uh, did he make an impression uh, in Game uh, Two of the playoffs there in Memphis? He went seven no-hit innings, uh, faced one over the minimum. His only blemish was a walk uh, that he issued. Uh, was absolutely, um, totally dominant in that game, and and uh, I mean, if if um, if I had to go on one game alone, I'd say yes. Uh, there's somebody that, that the Brewers may want to take a look at, and, and uh, obviously they will. But uh, I think, uh, you know, they, they made a, um, a definite uh, decision uh, that they were not going to expose him to the altitude this year, and, and uh, it, it worked out because he had a great season at Double A and, uh, and had that great start in the playoffs. I mean, that was a huge game, a high-intensity uh, type game. Um, for for the for the Sky Sox to come in and pitch the way he did was was very impressive. I mean, a high leverage situation, and then um, and, and to go on and maybe get a chance and see what he can do at the next level. A great story, as we all know, a guy that uh, because of Tommy John surgery didn't get drafted, had to uh, build a mound in his own backyard to uh, keep himself uh, in 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 shape and in pitching shape and all that good stuff, and finally latched on with some independent league teams and then got. Uh, signed by the Red Sox, and the rest is history. But um, you root for guys like that because because uh, he is a guy that uh, has defied the odds to get as far as he has. But he showed command of his pitches. He he moved the ball around. He attacked the strike zone. wasn't a, wasn't uh, afraid to pitch to contact, and and obviously struck out a good many hitters along the way as well. So his stuff, I think, would translate to the major league level. But, uh, you know, time will tell on that one, too. Lucas Harrison comes up to the club right at the end of the season as well. And, you know, I like to talk about sample size. I know it's a small sample size, but what did you see from Harrison in his limited time uh, with the club? 
Yeah, I thought he. I thought he uh, definitely showed that he um, he could hang with guys at AAA for sure. I mean, again, like you said, it's a small sample size, but it was again a high leverage situation in the playoffs. And for a guy coming up from single A, he showed a lot of composure. I thought, especially a guy who was really coming off the bench to pinch hit, came up with a couple of big pinch hits uh, during the postseason. So I think uh, you you add that to what he did in spring training with the Brewers. I think definitely there's a guy that uh, they have to keep their eye on and maybe uh, uh, profiles down the road as being a guy who, who would be maybe a, a future uh, starter at third base at the major league level. Obviously, there's a lot more that uh, they have to, to see before they uh, make that kind of decision, and there's no rush with the way Travis Shaw is playing at the major league level. But uh, I would like to see Ursig uh, maybe next year get a, get a chance to play full-time at the AAA level and see what he can do uh, during the course of a full season uh, at third base there uh, in the Pacific Coast League. Taylor Youngman pitched to a 2.59 ERA, playing at a place that he's been fairly vocal about not especially liking to pitch at. Uh, what clicked for him? Attitude. Um, it was a total attitude adjustment. He was probably the guy that I was impressed with the most this season because what we saw from him two years ago when the Brewers first moved their AAA team to Colorado Springs, he obviously did not, uh, let's just put it bluntly, like pitching in, in, in the altitude. Few guys do, but, but his stuff just did not translate because he, he relies on that big breaking curveball, and obviously in the altitude that pitch is compromised a, a great deal. So, you know, the Brewers tried to work with him, and they, you know, they finally called him up that year. He had some success and then started the season the next year and finally got sent down uh, to double-A. And, and finally he just came out and said, hey, I'm tired of, of not – uh, facing this challenge head on, I'm I'm you know I'm I'm at a point in my career where I need to go ahead and and see if I can slay this beast, which is a security service field. And he decided this year that that it was time for him to uh, take it take it on head on, and he did. And and he pitched magnificently well. In fact, he was the Sky Sox uh, pitcher of the year this year um, after he got called up, I think, uh, there in May. So um, to me, he he definitely just uh, with his attitude alone, because we all know he has the stuff. But uh, he he had an attitude uh, change uh, during the course of this season that that enabled him to get over that hump, and I think uh, proved to some people that he does definitely deserve another chance of pitching at the major league level. Because Matt, as you know, having spent a lot of time there in Colorado Springs, it is a huge challenge mm-hmm. for these pitchers. And I applaud them for, for taking it on uh, to try and uh, pitch at that kind of altitude and, and uh, with those kind of challenges. And uh, the fact that uh, Taylor Youngman, who had uh, really uh, some serious uh, issues pitching there, to uh, come back and, and, and kind of face that challenge head on uh, spoke volumes to me that, that he has really mentally, if nothing else, turned his career around, and I think that's going to bode well for him down the road. We knew about the stuff of Josh Hader, but he had a 5.37 ERA in Colorado Springs, kind of going to what you were just talking about. Since he's been called up to the big leagues, he's become an elite bullpen arm in Major League Baseball with a 1.85 ERA. Dan, I know you had confidence that he could have success at the big league level, but would have you expected this much success this early on? Well, I, I think that uh, what really benefited um, Josh is the move to the bullpen. I think uh, a lot of folks that saw him thought, yeah, this guy has great stuff, obviously. But um, second, third time through the lineup, you know, was it going to be enough to get him by? And um, I think the Brewers definitely, I mean, they, they obviously had a need for a left-hander in the bullpen when they called him up. But uh, I think his stuff translates uh, exceedingly well as a reliever, as we all as we've seen now. Obviously, that looks like a really um, you know twenty twenty hindsight type of statement. But um, I, I spoke to scouts throughout the course of, of last season and again this season, and and their comments would always be, "I think this guy profiles as a reliever," and um, I, I, you couldn't argue with him just because of, of the pr- trouble he was having as a starting pitcher. So um, I think he's found his niche. Obviously, it's still early. I mean, the league is starting to, I mean, just getting a good look at him this year. And they'll make adjustments as they go, and then it's up to him to make adjustments uh, on his side. But I think uh, with his stuff, he's going to be one of those electric guys out of the bullpen. 
uh, for the Brewers from the left side that they can rely upon for, for years to come. Last thing for you, Rick Sweet got the call up this year. He's with the big league club uh, right now. I got the chance to talk to him a little bit uh, just a couple days ago. He seems to really be enjoying himself. We both know Rick pretty well, you better than I, because you've spent more time with him than, than I have. But uh, how happy are you that uh, the Brewers have rewarded kind of the Sky Sox season with Rick being able to finish out this pennant run with the Brewers this year? Well, he's he's just uh, the best. I mean, uh, you know how I feel about him. I, we go back, uh, um, gosh, 25 years, maybe even more, when it comes to our relationship. And um, he's he's such a, a great uh, communicator. Um, the, the the players love him. The the fans love him. I mean, he he just exudes. Um, he he's he's the greatest ambassador we could ask for. Uh, when it comes to uh, baseball in Colorado Springs, um, this guy cannot get enough of baseball. He is a baseball rat, and he loves what he does. He does it very well. Um, I, I, the fact that he was able to lead this team uh, to a to division title for the first time in 20 years, I mean, should speak for itself. But uh, just the fact that he, I mean, even during the previous two years when things weren't going so well, he was always that positive uh voice uh, for the organization, always saying that things were going to turn around, that he was confident that this team was going to uh, to play well, and, and then this year they, they pull it off in a big way. But, yeah, I mean, to have a guy like Rick Sweet get rewarded, I mean, here's a guy who's been in the minor leagues um, almost as long as I've been, and and to see him get, get the, uh, the reward at the end of the season, I know he got called up a couple of years ago with the Brewers as well. But uh, he he certainly deserves it, and uh, you know it would it would please me. I, I, nothing more would please me than, than to see Rick Sweet at a full time position as a major league coach because he certainly has paid his dues. And uh, although I would miss him as a manager down here, um, he uh, he definitely deserves a shot at uh, being a coach at the major league level. And I'm glad uh, at the very least he's getting a chance to spend the final month with the Brewers, which should uh, prove to be a very exciting last month of the season. Absolutely. Hey, Dan, great stuff. Thanks for taking some time, especially uh, season's over. This is, I know, uh, this is kind of your period where uh, you lay low for a little bit. So thanks for taking some time. And uh, we'll find a reason to uh, to get you back on during the off season if you're okay with that. Absolutely. Anytime, Matt. It's always great chatting with you. And uh, we'll uh, keep an eye on the Brewers from, from uh, afar and hope that they can pull this thing off. That was Dan Karcher, the voice of the Sky Sox, and we appreciate him taking a few moments with us. Uh, always good to talk to Dan here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. As we do start to wrap up the program, let's take a look at what is uh, coming up over the course of the week. and uh, The most important week of the season. From here on out, every week's the most important week. Uh, but here it is with uh, some huge games starting on Monday with three in Pittsburgh. And the Brewers have to play better against the Pirates than they have played so far far this year. The Pirates are a team that they have struggled against. Three night games in Pittsburgh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night. All three games have a first pitch of 6.05. That means uh, game night coverage is going to begin on WTMJ at 5.30. And quite honestly, the Brewers at the very least have to take two out of three. If they lose that series to the Pirates, you know, obviously it depends on what's going on with the Cubs and what's going on with the Rockies, but it's, it's very likely that if they lose two out of three to the Pirates, that that could be just about it for them in terms of trying to make it in the postseason. And then we'll be talking next week immediately following the Big Cubs series. Four-game series at Miller Park, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. The uh, Saturday game, by the way, it was moved up to a 12.05 pitch. So if you've got tickets that say uh, 6 or 6.10, whatever it was supposed to be, uh, that is now a noon start, just so you know. Uh, that was picked up nationally by Fox, and uh, that's going to be that's going to be a big, big game. Uh, all of them are. You know, if the Brewers can go win three out of four, if somehow they can find a way to sweep that four-game series, uh, that puts them right there in it. So this next seven games that they play over the next seven days, starting on, on Monday, huge games, and big, big for different reasons. You know, that Pirates series, again, they've struggled against the Pirates, and then the absolute necessity to take at least three out of four against the Cubs, and that's what's going to be coming up. All right, that is it for this edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Again, thank you 
to our uh, guest this week as we were joined by uh, Tim Muma from uh, Brew Crew Ball and also joined by uh, Dan Carter, the voice of the Sky Sox. We will talk to you again next week for another edition. This is Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.